Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Galant Says Podcast. Available live on Twitch weekdays, 3 o'clock. We actually almost started on time today. You can also catch it via podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get them. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. But if you want to interact with the show in the moment, you got to watch this thing on Twitch. Again, twitch.tv slash Galant says it is Wednesday, March 30th of 2022. It's been an interesting last couple of days when it comes to all things Deshaun Watson. Because we've been finding out new things about Watson in that we are finding out what his deposition actually looked like. For those who were able to see it, classic Anthony Busby, he leaked it and you saw Deshaun Watson fielding questions about a variety of different things. Did you find the people who you were getting massages from attractive? No, I have a girlfriend. You also heard him saying things along the lines of, yeah, I didn't check to see if they were qualified. I didn't check to in with the Houston Texans to tell them that I was getting these massages. Yeah, it's it's not a great look, anything that he said, and it wrapped all up with him being asked whether or not it's weird to bring your own towel to these massage therapy sessions. I wonder why he brought his own towel. Perhaps it's so that evidence... We'll call it that. Won't be left over on the massage table or something like that. It's a really weird situation. How much more truth will we get? I don't know. But the NFL wants you to know that they're taking it seriously. They love to seem like the good guys whenever they can. And they've always looked like the bad guys. So, I mean, I don't entirely blame them, but... Here is Roger Goodell at the NFL's owners' meetings responding to questions about the NFL's personal conduct policy and what we could expect for Deshaun Watson this coming season. A suspension, a fine. Here is the redheaded hammer himself. Well, Albert, um, I think we were very clear over the last year that um, the, the civil cases were in play over the last year also. Uh, the only thing that's changed is the criminal element. Um, Let's start that again. Well, Albert, um, I think we were very clear over the last year that um, the, the civil cases were in play over the last year also. Uh, the only thing that's changed is the criminal element um, has been at least resolved. Um, and, and that was an important element in the context of the commissioner's effort that we've discussed with our Players Association. So. That was an important, if, if the criminal had proceeded, that would more likely have triggered a commissioner exempt. I think at this point, a civil case in and of itself would not do that. If there's a violation of the personal conduct policy, that may trigger something, but it, that would more likely trigger some kind of discipline in some fashion. Discipline in some fashion as opposed to, I don't know, you know, I think a serious punishment Discipline in some fashion doesn't sound to me like it's going to be a serious punishment, right? But you know the NFL and you know the way that they operate. And this is a league that traditionally when they come down on somebody, they come down pretty damn hard. And, you know, I I, I don't think that the NFL is the kind of league that's going to look at this and do nothing about it just because he's not facing Deshaun Watson. Any criminal prosecution, any 
criminal charges or anything like that. You did hear it, though, from Goodell that the big part of the commissioner's exempt list is based off of whether or not there are some criminal charges that he would be facing. Okay, fine. But come on, you're going to do something about this, right? I mean, are you really going to sit back with the 22 civil lawsuits against him just because there's no criminal charges being put up on him? Like, that's that's hard to believe. And Roger Goodell expanded on that. Here is, once again, the redheaded hammer at the podium for the NFL's owners' meetings. Well, Mark, you know, uh, listen, I, I, we've been very clear with every club uh, that whether the, the criminal matter it gets resolved or not, the personal conduct policy is something that's very important to us. Uh, and so the personal conduct policy does not need a criminal violation to be a violation of the personal conduct policy. So they recognize that that's something that we're going to pursue. Uh, we're going to make sure that we get to the bottom of the facts and make sure that how it applies to the personal conduct policy. That's, um, that's where we are at this point. And when we get to that, a decision will be made on whether there should be any discipline. Uh, and if so, what is it? Well, Mark. So there you go. That's Roger Goodell at the NFL owners meetings. And okay, that means that there could be some sort of a punishment. And I, I think everyone right now is looking very closely at the way that the Browns structured the contract that they have with Deshaun Watson. And they're trying to figure out, wait a second, are the Browns really going to get away with this essentially $1 million salary that Watson is going to make the first year of his contract? Because clearly the Browns, they don't give a contract like that out for no reason. Part of it is probably because they want to give themselves the most cap flexibility this coming season. But the other part of it has to be that they expect Watson to be suspended a significant amount of time. And if you're Deshaun Watson, you're signing this big-time contract, you want to make sure that you can earn every single dollar that you possibly can, Right? Okay, well, Goodell said that the way that Cleveland structured Watson's contract would not restrict their ability to apply discipline. We would be able to apply discipline as we feel appropriate. Uh, Brooks Cabina, who covers the Houston Texans for the Houston Chronicle, actually highlighted a couple of parts of the NFL's conduct policy, and they read as follows. Depending on the nature of the violation and the player's record, discipline may be a fine, a suspension, or a fixed, for a fixed or an indefinite period of time. A combination of the two, or banishment from the league with an opportunity to reapply. Discipline may also include a probationary period and conditions that must be met for reinstatement and to remain eligible to participate in the league. Players with a prior history of misconduct, including misconduct occurring prior to their association with the league, will be subject to enhanced and or expedited discipline, including banishment from the league and an opportunity to reapply. In determining discipline, both aggregating and mitigating factors may be considered. So, reading through that, I guess banishment's possible, but the kind of banishment that we see someone like uh, like Josh Gordon get. What's more likely, I think, is a probationary period and a suspension. But conditions to be met for reinstatement, I mean, what are the conditions? Hey, Deshaun, don't get massages anytime soon and ask for sexual favors at them. Mic yourself up, wire yourself when you go in for a massage and prove that you aren't going to do anything gross. So, 
everything you hear from Roger Goodell, it checks all the boxes of making it seem like they will be tough. But what happens a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, whenever all these civil suits are taken care of, even if Deshaun Watson says he's going to fight them, when all of this has been a couple of months ago and we stop focusing on this and talking about it the same way that we're talking about it right now, is the NFL actually going to do anything? And I don't, I don't buy it. They love to rattle their saber, but they don't actually like to use it. And I just go back to last offseason where the NFL was talking about how, hey, if you're unvaccinated and your team has a rash of players who can't play because they're sick with COVID-19, you'll have to forfeit the game. And the team you play, they'll have to forfeit as well. They tried to scare everybody into getting the vaccine. It was kind of a bullshit measure, especially looking back at it with what we know now. But they never were going to actually do any of those things, right? So when you hear them say, okay, well, it won't potentially just be a suspension for Deshaun Watson and he'll be only fined a set amount. He'll Like the, the salary that he is going to make this coming season, we're not looking at that as some sort of obstacle to whatever punishment we give out. Well, what kind of punishment are you seriously going to give out that actually can do any damage or make someone, I think, feel punished appropriately when they get a $230 million contract guaranteed? I suppose they could do something like suspend, excuse me, fine, uh, why do I keep saying Roger Goodell? Fine Deshaun Watson for every single game that he meets the appropriate um, amount of money that would, I guess, average that contract would... Jesus, I can't speak English right fucking now. Fuck. Let me try to do this. This is what happens when you see math right in front of you. What I think the NFL could potentially consider is to suspend Deshaun Watson a set amount of time and then take a look at the totality of the contract, $230 million, and then... I guess, estimate how many games are going to be played under that five-year contract by Deshaun Watson. Assuming that the NFL schedule does not move to an 18-game slate anytime soon, 17 games times five seasons, so that's 85 games. What the NFL could do is divvy up that $230 million in total money by 85, which means that Watson's making essentially based off of the contract itself, not based off the salary and all those other things that the Browns have worked favorably to them and favorably to Watson. It would mean that they are averaging $2.7 million a game as far as what Watson is getting paid for a game check. So, okay, you suspend him for six games. Maybe you could suspend him for two point, excuse me, fine him for $2.7 million per each one of those games. But the NFL Players Association would completely lose their shit if that were to happen. So they could do something that I guess mitigates the contract that the Browns gave to Watson, but I don't see anything that they do being substantial enough to really look like a good punishment, which is bad for the NFL because the NFL wants to look tough here. A couple of comments. Emily says, I'm sure they'll just brush it under the rug and give a super lenient punishment like every other issue that doesn't have video evidence. Possibly. It does seem like it's a little different today versus three years ago, four years ago. And even if there aren't any criminal charges and no matter how hard Deshaun Watson's trying to come off as innocent, 
I, I don't think there are going to be many in league circles that believe this can be a situation where no one has to fall on a sword of some sorts. Fuentes Respector says Cleveland screwed every other franchise being desperate. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson's possible contract in a couple of years. But as far as an actual fine that you can give to Sean Watson, because you'd have to give something, there, there is some precedent for fines in the NFL. Owners have been fined a lot. Eddie DeBartolo got a $1 million fine way back in the day for involvement in a corruption case with, I believe, a governor. Colts owner Jim Ursay got fined $500,000 and a six-game suspension. How do you suspend an owner for a DUI? Bud Adams got fined $250,000 for flipping off Bills fans once. And the Patriots were fined $250,000 for Spygate and $1.1 million for filming the Bengals a couple of years later. Huh. So that's owners. Owners are making, you know, obviously more than what Deshaun Watson is going to make over the next five years, but Watson's in a different stratosphere now as far as players getting suspended, players getting fined. Look at coaches. Bill Belichick got fined $500,000 for Spygate. Well, okay, but what's the player precedent? What's the most that anyone's ever been fined as a player? Jamal Lewis got $760,000 fine for drug charges in 2004. Sean Rogers got $400,000 of fine for being arrested at the airport with a loaded gun. Ray Lewis got a $250,000 fine for failing to cooperate with a police investigation in a double murder. That was way back in 2000. So I suppose with inflation, what are we getting up to? 500,000 or something like that. And Dominican Sue got a $100,000 fine for being dirty. And Brian Urlacher got a $100,000 fine for wearing a vitamin water hat. One of these things is not like the other, huh? I don't think any fine that they give to Deshaun Watson is going to look good. I don't think any suspension that they give to Deshaun Watson is going to look good either. It's 22 civil cases against him. And I suppose, oh, well, you know, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt because they couldn't apply any criminal charges to him. Well, that's just fucking stupid talk because, look, this is this is in criminal court something that needs to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. It's different in civil court. The jury just has to believe it for the most part. If he ends up settling and we hear that he settles, don't we have to see him get some sort of a punishment? And is the NFL going to allow him to potentially fight said punishment, fight said civil um, civil lawsuits? Are they going to let him play while all that's going down? I don't know. But I don't really think there's anything that the NFL can do, no matter how hard they rattle their saber, to make it seem like Deshaun Watson's actually getting a nice spanking. Uh, and if Fuentes respecter said, imagine giving Lamar Jackson $230 million guaranteed and he gets hurt. Yeah. And that's what owners are squirming about right now. Steve Scotty is the Baltimore Ravens owner. And he had this to say when he saw and was asked about the Deshaun Watson contract, because Lamar Jackson's contracts, the next one on the docket, I'm trying to answer that when I had a reaction to it and it's like, damn, I wish they hadn't guaranteed the whole contract. I don't know what he should have. I don't know that he should have been the first guy to get a fully guaranteed contract. To me, that's something that is groundbreaking, and it'll make negotiations harder with others. Scotty also added, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to play that game, you know? We shall see. If I was in bogged down negotiations with Lamar, then maybe I would have a quicker reaction to that news. So maybe this means that Lamar Jackson is going to end up getting traded somewhere. And some team would probably spend a ton of money on Lamar Jackson to get in there because the teams that don't have quarterbacks are thirsty for the ones that have them. So... This situation maybe 
is something that would make guys who currently have quarterbacks think twice about that next deal that they give to their guy. But this isn't going to stop other teams from putting that option on the table. You know, when you see that the Green Bay Packers are preemptively trading Devontae Adams because they know that he wants something they can't give him, or Tyreek Hill with the Kansas City Chiefs, same thing. If those players are all of a sudden getting traded because they know that they're going to have impossible asks, then you're going to see the same thing soon from teams that aren't 100% sold on their quarterbacks. It's not going to be all of them. You know, if you have Aaron Rodgers, why? If you have Tom Brady, even at this point in his career, why? But with Russell Wilson, with the Seahawks, like I get why the Seahawks could potentially say, we're sick of this fucking headache. He hasn't played that great over the last two years. We'll do it. We're sick of it. We want to move on. Is it the smartest move? Probably not. But you can understand how teams might do that. And, and you know, that's also supposedly part of the logic here. With trading Russell Wilson, that's at least what the Seahawks are saying, is that it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to sign an extension with us. Well, you could give him a franchise tag. That's not going to be the worst thing in the world. But salary cap-wise, it would make a pretty big dent and take away a lot of your flexibility. So maybe we are getting to a point where guys can't force their way out of town. So I, I think there's a chance that Lamar Jackson ends up getting traded on that front. Stone Jam 206 asks if DK Metcalf is worth $25 million a year. Well, we touched on this. I don't know that there's any wide receiver contract that's worth it. If you're a great wide receiver, but you're touching the ball eight times a game on, let's say, 13, 14 targets or something like that, do you make a $30 million a year kind of difference? Tyree Kill, I think, is a little different because I think he uniquely with Patrick Mahomes breaks a game in a way that very few other players can. And maybe that's not the case a couple of years from now, but it also still could be the case. But outside of that, is DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, are they worth that on your books? It's a great toy for a quarterback to have. Certainly probably makes him happier. But we, we touched on it yesterday. If you take a look at the big contracts given out to wide receivers over the last couple of years, the only guys with titles are Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, but Godwin hasn't gotten a long-term deal, and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, who are not playing for a ton of money. They have nice contracts by our standards, of course, but those two are not getting paid a massive wide receiver contract. So do you really feel like DK Metcalf is going to be worth that? I don't know. I mean, if you find yourself a young rookie quarterback who is on a rookie deal and you're not paying him a lot of money, sure. But that's not Drew Locke. You might get more for DK Metcalf, and considering how poor things have gone for you of late, if you're the Seahawks in the draft, at least relative to 2011, 2012, those early years of the Pete Carroll and John Schneider era, if you want to get back to that, you trade DK. I mean, you're going to get the same kind of haul that Kansas City probably got. I'm not saying do it. I like DK a lot. I feel like the Seahawks right now need to kind of keep whatever reason they have to watch a game on the roster. But... Eh, I don't know. You know, Pete Carroll was asked about it. Hey, do you want to have DK Metcalf with you long-term? We intend for him to be with us, said Pete Carroll on Tuesday. We'd love to figure that out. We're in a normal kind of mode this time of year. We're not to that topic yet specifically because we've got so many other things going on. But we'd love to have them. There's no way I could imagine playing without him. 
Well, earlier this offseason, what was it that Pete Carroll said about Russell Wilson? Like, I don't envision trading him. <laughs> and then they did. Pete puts a sunshiny spin on everything, but the guy lies straight up very often. I mean, he did it to me when I asked him about Brian Schottenheimer at the end of the 2020 to 2021 season, I asked him, Hey, I mean, what's Brian Schottenheimer's status going forward? And he said, well, he's our offensive coordinator. Then later that day he got fired, which was a tad annoying. And, you know, Pete was asked about his comments in the Russell Wilson trade. And we said yesterday, things change. There was a long period in there working it. I didn't have the intention of going crazy, but we looked at the opportunity. They keep calling the trading of Russell Wilson an opportunity. Good God. Once we got a good look at it, there was reason. We got a really good deal, so we went ahead and made it. It took a long time to get to that, though. We had a long process where I didn't think we would do it. It was such a complicated trade to make. But they traded him. And the person who I think is a little more honest and open these days, and especially now that Russell Wilson's not here anymore and he doesn't have to tiptoe around talking about the guy, is this from John Schneider. When it comes to extending DK Metcalf's contract, he said, it is what it is now, right? This is the market. So we'll get to that when we get to it. But yeah, there is a bit of whoa. But then you have to figure out where's the cap going? What's it going to look like? How do you build your team? Like, Schneider seems a little bit less committed to DK long-term. Uh, Stone Jam 206 asks, who wins the American League West? I still think it's the Astros. I need the Mariners to hit more this coming season to buy stock in them because you win all of those one-run games. There is definitely an idea that you come back to earth. When your starting pitching isn't elite, it, it was good, but it's not elite. Your bullpen was great, but I think that varies year to year. And your offense was one of the worst in baseball. Are things really going to change with some of the additions that you made this offseason? They might a little bit, but uh, to the extent of where you're going to win enough games to outpace the Astros, who even without Carlos Correa still have a terrifying lineup, I don't see it happening yet. Next year, <coughs> excuse me, with a more seasoned Jared Kelnick, with a hopefully Julio Rodriguez. Excuse me, keep coughing. Bad allergies these days. Maybe. But right now, it's the Astros division to lose. And maybe the Rangers are annoying. I never take the Angels seriously. I never took the A's seriously. And they just kind of sold all their parts off this offseason. Uh, and Fuentes Respector says, isn't DK kind of... Not really a great receiver. Just from an outsider's perspective. Seems like he's better on broken plays rather than a strict scripted offense. Ah, I don't quite buy that. Because if you're saying that, that means that you feel like the entirety of the Seahawks offense was unscripted, right? I mean, and some of the plays that Russell Wilson was making with Tyler Lockett were incredible. They had like a Vulcan mind meld together. But... It wasn't all plays that took place out of structure, freelanced, you know? DK is really difficult to bump off on slants. If you see him running a dig route over the middle of the field, if he 
gets a couple of steps, he's he's gone. I mean, he's he's damn good. I think that you need to see him get a little bit better at catching the ball in, in traffic, but no, I I I don't I don't think he has the potential to be great. I don't think this year was a great year for him, but I think part of that had to do with Russell Wilson being hurt too. Damn, I can't stop coughing. Maybe drinking some water will help out. Twitch.tv slash Gallant says you can watch Paul Gallant choke to death live on the air. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> I've got the black lung, Pop. The black lung. Anyway, um, two other things I wanted to hit on before I, we, we get to the road. This is something that took place in the world of soccer. And honestly, it's one of the more it's one of the more amazing things I think I've ever seen. And I have seen this before. This took place in a game between Egypt and Senegal. Take a look at this. Twitch.tv slash Galan says. You have one of the best soccer players in the world getting ready to take a penalty kick. If he hits this penalty kick, guess what? The U.S. is going, excuse me, not the U.S., sorry. The U.S. is already in the World Cup qualifiers, I think. If they hit this shot, Salah, Mohamed Salah, then Egypt, I think, would have qualified for the World Cup. Instead, this happened. And look at all these fucking lasers. These laser beams right here, they're all over him. I mean, let's let's pause it for a second and count. One, two, three, four, five, six. And that's a really big seventh one. They are just all in his face. I mean, good God. And he's got to shake it. You can see him all over the field. Let's just count him on the field. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. On the field, lasers all over him. Here he is. Trying to shoot this shot to send his team to the World Cup. And he biffs it by a mile. Kind of like James Harden. Insane, right? You've never seen anything like that before. Except for one time if you're a Houston Texans fan. Does anyone remember this? It's Monday Night Football in Mexico City. Between the Houston Texans and the now Las Vegas Raiders. And Brock Osweiler was not having a very good season for the Texans that year. It was it was a tough watch. In this game, you could kind of see it at this point in time, but you'll see it a little bit better on the replay. There's a couple little flashes that are going on Brock Osweiler's jersey. That was a third and nine. And you're like, what the hell happened there? Oh, it's just Brock being Brock. Well, then they show slow motion replay. And look, lasers. Always green lasers, but this only seems like there were one or two. And I got to say, all things considered, Brock Osweiler actually played pretty well in that game. But can you imagine being Mohamed Salah in that situation? Trying to shoot that penalty kick in this crowd where you probably don't feel very comfortable. I mean, you know, sometimes when you see lasers pointing at you, you're like, am I about to get shot? Is this an action movie? Am I going to die? But in this one, in this one, he didn't die. He just whiffed the penalty kick. Good God. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. All right, people. That's going to wrap up today's edition of the Galant Says Podcast. I'm slowly getting better at playing video and actually, you know, 
speaking while I produce this show. Maybe I need to hire a producer or get an intern or something like that. But I appreciate y'all tuning in. You can also subscribe to the Galant Says Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. As well, twitch.tv slash Galant Says is where you can watch it live every single weekday at 3 o'clock Central Time. If you haven't already, subscribe to that. Check it out on Twitch. Interact with us on Twitch. It's a lot of fun. So, until tomorrow afternoon, 3 o'clock, I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell, thank you for tuning in, and have yourselves a wonderful Wednesday.